While we try to be as helpful as possible, this podcast should not be considered as professional or financial advice. It contains general information only, and you should seek out professional advice for your own personal circumstances before making any financial decisions. I'm Julia. And I'm Nick. And this is The Enthusiast Lab. So this is our first episode. Holy shit, we're actually here. Yeah, this is super exciting for us. Something new, something different. A bit fucking daunting, but fucking keen. Very keen. Yeah. So, episode one of The Enthusiast Lab. Guys, we're fucking excited for this shit. We're, what we're going to be talking about today is, what do I need to do? You know, how do I actually start the process of wanting to look at building? You know, is there things I need to prepare myself to be better prepared to get the ball rolling? We're going to go through all this shit. We're going to go the fucking town today. All right? Yeah, that's it. So we have a lot of clients that come through and say that it's super daunting to build their first home. They don't know where to start. What are they meant to be looking at first? Are they meant to come with land prepared? Are they meant to come with a huge amount of savings? How many savings? And really the what we say to all of our clients is there's a three-step process that we prefer to do. Yes, absolutely. So we've done, we've narrowed this shit down so fucking precise now that you can actually, if you follow this process, it keeps it as smooth as possible. So the number one thing it all revolves around is finance. Finance, finance, finance. Once we've got that sorted, then we can look at land, then we can look at designs. That's the process where you can nut it all out and get it right the first time without having to go to and from afterwards and shit can go wrong like that. So we stick to it, finance, land, house. I think the way that we should do it as well is we'll do episode one all about finance because it's quite a lot to cover. In episode two, we can cover the land aspect and episode three, we can talk about the houses. So today's yeah. episode, I think we should focus on mainly finances. Cool. Easy. How do you know how much you can borrow? What's How much should you be coming in with? What should clients be looking for at the very, very beginning? Okay, so <clears throat> the easiest way to start the whole process with finance is you want to have a discussion with a finance broker, right? Especially someone, if you're looking at building, you want to look at someone that is specializing in construction finance because it's very different to a normal broker that does a lot of um, like refinancing and shit like that because- Building is very complicated. You've got building contracts, land contracts, uh, different deposits, first-time owners grants, stamp duties, exemptions. There's a quite a bit involved into it. So having to deal with someone that does this on a daily basis is definitely going to give you that little bit of a front edge in front of a few other people. So in light of that, what you want to be looking at is you want to chat with someone, right, that actually knows this shit to a point where that can help you create a plan so that you know what you need to do in terms of your borrowing capacities. Right now, in the current market, it's pretty fucked because interest rates are going up. Things are changing all the time. So it gets a little bit more complicated than just simply 
I want to borrow 500000 so that's what I'm going to spend. You need to know what the banks are actually will have the requirements that do you fit into those criteria? Are you actually legible for that much? You know, how much debts have you got? How much do you earn? All these things need to be taken into account so you can figure out what your budget is and what you can actually borrow. I feel like you've jumped quite ahead with a lot of information for everyone to consume. So I think the first thing that we should cover is, are you employed? Let's talk about the different types of employment and the recommendations on how long you should be in a job, casual, part-time, full-time. Let's talk about that first. All right, cool. So you can do it with all three. So you can do it if you're casual, you can do it if you're part-time, and you can do it with full-time because there's a lot of misconception out there that you need to be in the full-time, otherwise you can't do this shit. Fuck off. There's different ways around it. Number one, let's go over casual. So if you're in a casual position, it's best to be able to look into it once you've been in the job for about six months. That's normally the blanket cover that you'll need for people to actually be, to have that opportunity that the banks will consider that income. So casual, six months. Part-time and full-time, it's a little bit easier. Normally you want to have about three months in that job. That gives you a little bit of a blanket cover with any probations you might have, as well as the fact that you've got to take into account that um, you'll have a few pay slips by then. So then the broker can actually start working through those pay slips and going, okay, cool, this is what you're projected to earn over this financial year. So then we can actually realistically start seeing how much you're actually earning before tax. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And when we start looking at, okay, so I earn X amount of money, but I have a debt. Can we start talking a little bit more about the debts and what kind of debts you should be avoiding more or less? Yeah, yep. That's easy. So at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world if you have debt, right? Fucking, we all have it. And at some point in our lives, taking out something, it's all J, right? What you need to take into account is the types of debts. Car loans, personal loans, they are okay. Again, you don't want too much. You don't want to be having so much debt where it's actually more than almost what you're earning because banks are going to look and be like, you can't afford shit, right? Whereas some of the things you really do need to consider, and this is actually something to really think about, is the type of loans, they're basically considered like payday loans. So these are those real like cash grab type of loans where they're very easy to apply for. They usually have a quite a high interest rate and then, you know, and but they're easy to get, Right. Banks do not like this. Ones like, as an example, your zip pay, afterpay, cash converters, your hum cards and latitude, they don't like those. It doesn't, it's not the end of the world if you have them, but what you want to be aiming is to minimize as much as possible of those because those have a much higher interest rate, which means that what you can borrow is a lot less using those. So what we normally like to do is when, you know, if you can, try and reduce those as much as possible and that will hopefully open a lot more doors of opportunity for how much you can borrow. But it's up to you, but the less is best, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I want to move into a little bit more. So debts is one thing, but what about savings? I think there's a big misconception Fuck about yeah. how much you need to be saved. We've got our parents that told us we need to be saving 20%. Is that still true? Is that still how much we need to save? Because that's a lot of money. Fuck me this. Like the amount of time it would normally take the average Australian to try and save 20%. You're looking at anywhere between four to five years. How much can change in that time frame from your life situation to the property market and everything? 
No, you don't need 20%. And the reason why is because there's a lot of different finance opportunities out there. There's a lot of different um, bank policies and a lot of different opportunities, I guess, is the easiest way I can think of it. In terms of, for example, a really good one at the moment, that is, it just got released again for another 12 months, is about the first home lender scheme, right? So you're actually able to save up 5% of what you're potentially looking at, let's say for five hundred thousand, you're looking at saving twenty five thousand dollars, and you can actually have to say that genuine, which means over a three month period. And in doing so, you're actually the government's actually helping towards that, and they're going to cover the remainder fifteen percent. So you're not paying lenders mortgage insurance, right? It's fucking killer. That's a good deal. Well, you know, trying to save twenty five grand versus fucking what. 125 is fucking wild. Yeah, that's a big difference. It's a big, big difference. So, and you're getting the same rates as those guys. You don't have to, you know, try and drag your parents in as guarantor to do this whole thing. You can come in. It's a really, really good fucking little, like, um, opportunity for people to actually get into the market a lot sooner and getting killer rates. The biggest thing with it is there are certain eligibility, like, criteria, um, so things like you, as a couple, you need to be earning 200000 or less before tax. As a single applicant, so if you're doing it on your own, you have to be 125000 or less, again, before tax. At the moment, you need to be Australian citizen to do so, but this is changing. That's a big one. That's changing as of the 1st of July in 2023, where even permanent residents are going to be applicable to this. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Fuck, as well. that's going to open the doors to so many people. That's really exciting. So you mentioned something there. You briefed over it. Other than the five percent savings yep. option, you briefed over guarantors. And how does that work? I'm, I don't want to get into it too much if we don't have the time mm-hmm. or you don't want to. What? How does a guarantor loan work? Okay, so a lot of the guarantor loans, how they're actually structured, right? Is it's based on the equity from a property from like your parents, right? So what happens is, for example, let's say they have an X, X area that they have a home and that home, they might only have 200,000 owed on the home, but the house is actually worth like five or 600K. So that difference of positive is called the equity. So what happens is the bank can then look at potentially using with certain criteria, they can use a portion of that equity as a security against the, new application for the building of the home. So if you're doing 500000 again, that means you need $100,000 worth of that equity as well as making sure that the the guarantors still have enough money in their side of like the mortgage that it's not going to put too much of a jeopardy in, to jeopardize their, their position, so to speak. So it is, again, a lot of this is a rough idea for you guys. I'm not a finance broker. Right, but we've done this a lot. So it's just trying to explain a few things so you guys can understand. And at the end of the day, you can always talk about these discussions with a finance broker um, so then you can get a lot more understanding. I will circle back to the finance broker. I wanted to ask one more question. Yep. So I've heard a lot, a lot of builders do this, uh, the $3,000 or $5,000 secure your house. Yeah, the whole get in for 3K or get in for 5K. That's it. Can you explain that one a little bit more? Because I think a lot of people are very interested about that and it's a good marketing scheme. 
Yeah, fuck, I is think. it a thing that, that happens? Is Lord, it a thing that works? The reality is, is not really, not for a lot of people. The reason why is, so there is an opportunity here in WA, right? This is exclusive to WA residents only. And that is, there is a bank called K-Star, which is a government-backed organization that's like a lender. And what they do is a low deposit scheme. And now as a first-home buyer, you normally only need to cover from your end about 1%. So if you're spending 400000 you only need to have $4,000 in savings. It doesn't have to be genuine. It can be gifted, whatever. So that you're doing it at that end. Positive with that is, you, again, you don't have to pay lenders mortgage insurance, but you have a fucking huge interest rate. Huge interest rate. Because you're lending so much of it, you're not actually coming with a lot of deposit. It's a bit more risky. So in their eyes, they're going, yeah, you might be eligible for X amount, but you want to be on a much higher interest rate, which does open the doors for a few people to actually get into the industry, or into the market, so to speak. And then you can always look at refinancing once you've moved into the home. But again, you've got to be prepared for those bigger repayments up front. Yeah, definitely. So I want to circle back to finance broker. Um, a lot of people know we are not shy about it. We use a finance broker 100%. with all of our deals. And I would love to get them on board one time and have a chat to us on the podcast. Fuck yeah. But I think what's important is if someone's kind of thinking about building a home, they're kind of tethering on the edge, but they are unsure of their finances. A lot of clients really send us a question and asking, should they go to a bank or should they use our broker? What's the better option? And can you tell us about a broker? All right. So if you're actually going down the path of going to a bank, you're going to one bank and you're dealing with someone that does the finances there. So a lot of the times, you're not going to get the right information. They're going to assess you on the situation of what you're currently in. Half the time, they don't give a fuck if you're saving over the next three, four months. They don't care if you're changing to a new job and you need that information. They're just looking at what, once you've walked into that door to them, they're just going to assess on what it is. So they'll either say, no, you can't do it. Yes, you can, but you need 50 grand deposit. 20 grand deposit. Oh, you actually need 20%. Fuck off. No, you don't. There are different ways around. That's where the construction brokers really come into play, the finance brokers, because their whole goal is to try and find the best opportunity, the best value for you, and to get a few different opportunities in terms of finances with different budgets. So basically, they're working on your behalf against multiple banks, not just one. Half the time, these finance brokers actually have like 26 different lenders. So you can imagine that they start grabbing your information and then spread it out to these build to these banks and then they're coming back and going, all right, cool. We can let you borrow X amount with this amount of deposit and repayments. This other one might be doing this and this and this. So that way you're getting a lot more information across a bigger broad spectrum rather than just one or two that you've been used to banking for the last fucking 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah, and how do, how do clients find uh- – broker. So we know that we use one in-house, but I think it'd be good to explain to clients how they meet our broker if they want to use ours or how they find a different broker. If- cool. So you can you can always, honestly, Google's your fucking friend. You can always look up some, some finance brokers. There's a lot of builders that have their own in-house brokers as well. We have someone that we work with. I've been working with this bloke for the last five, six years, and he's a fucking wizard with what he does. And he's independent. So he doesn't actually work for a builder. He doesn't work. He works for himself. Does a bit of refinancing, but he does a lot of contracts, like a lot of building loans 
through us. So we've got an agreement with him um, and he basically works basically together with us to make sure that his focus focal point is always about our clients and making sure that he does the best he can for us. He's there to try and cut the bullshit. There's a lot of, again, brokers that will fluff things up and be real polite. But then when it comes to the crunch time of actually getting things done, getting it approved, running around, trying to figure out exactly what the banks need, that's when some brokers, some finance brokers fall short. And for me, it's all about basically getting as much information as possible for people up front, getting that raw, that the reality of what you need to do with a time frame. And then once that's done, I need someone to be able to deliver on it. At the end of the day, like I was mentioning before, it's all about finance. And I'm not here to try and waste someone's time or my time if we can't make it work. Sometimes you just need that information up front to be able to make a good executive decision, uh, a good informative <laughs> decision. Yeah. And I think we briefed over, if we did brief over at all, why is finance so important? Why can't someone go and find the land first or pick a house design first? Why is it so important to work out your finances first? Look, you're going to set yourself up for disaster if you just go and jump on a block of land because a lot of the times land agents don't give a flying fuck. They're just there to sell the land. Now, the reason why we focus on the finances is because it's like going to the shop, right? At the end of the day, you can go to the shop and do as much window shopping as you want. But when it comes crunch time that you actually want to buy something, you want to know how much you've got to spend so then you can actually go through it. It's like, it's like going to calls, right? You hungry shop. Fuck, I've done that too many times with, <laughs> with my hungry shopping. And, then, and you'll grab everything. And sometimes you go, fuck yeah, you go, you go through the checkout and all of a sudden it's like $200. But then you've actually only delegated $100 for your spend. What you're going to do is sit there and start removing things for how much you can actually afford. Or you know exactly what you're in for, so then you've got a good goal in mind, and then that's what you can focus on. Yeah, I think that's very a very good analogy to use. The Coles shopping, yeah. that's a very good analogy to use. You want to know what your budget is before you start looking at land and house designs because there's no point looking at a million-dollar house if you can only afford half of that. Fuck, I know, because a lot of the times, a lot of the houses and in display homes as well and stuff, it looks grand, it looks big, and it's like, I can do this, I can afford this. And then when you start really dialing in, how much land actually costs and how much builds actually cost versus what your budget is and what you're comfortable with and what you can, you know, afford without really overstretching or overburdening yourself. That's where that reality kicks in. And then you go, okay, cool. Maybe I can't have that million dollar home straight up. Maybe I can start with something that I can still be comfortable in and grow into over the next five, 10, X amount of years. But then I can always, that can be my end goal. Yeah, definitely. So I think to summarize, yep. one, I need to be employed. 100%. doesn't matter which kind of employment, but I need to be employed and preferably for three months minimum, correct? If it's a full-time or part-time, three months. If you're casual, you'll need six months okay. on average. So then step number two is to assess how much debts I've got and see if I can minimize any of those debts. Yep, 100%. And make sure that you're not going for those little payday loans, like I said, cash converters, zip pays, afterpays, et cetera. Okay. And then number three is I need to assess how much savings I've got in the bank. And that can vary a lot from person to person. So in that scenario, it's always worth having a chat to someone. But in that scenario, once I'm employed, I know how many debts I've got or I've minimized as many debts that I have. And I've got some savings in the bank. Is that a good time to reach out to you and start having a chat about building a home? Or if not to us, then to somebody else, it doesn't have to be to us. We're just here to share their information. 
Is that a good time to start talking to someone? 100%. The more info you're prepared about your own situation, the easier it's going to be for whoever you end up talking to for them to try and create a plan. Not everyone has the same you know, goal in mind about how to do things, but at the same time, what you want to be focusing on is making sure that you actually are in the job because no one's going to lend to you, right, if you're not earning income. How are you going to pay for it back, right? Number two is with the debts, if you do have a, a few, it's okay. There's actually another one I'm going to bring up now is a few people have had, you know, concerns or in the past where they might have had a few defaults or a few mispayments. It's not the end of the world. Things can be fixed. Things can be assessed. And that's what the whole info session and catching up with someone is all about. It's working out your entire situation. And then from there, you can start making a, a proper informed decision about how far off you are from actually achieving from building your own home and the steps that you need to take there. You know, you want to know how how to do it, what to do, and the timeframe to achieve those things. That's what it's all about. So you're saying that even if someone isn't exactly there yet, they can come in and have a chat to someone, have a chat to you and put a plan in place with you? Yes, 100%. Like a lot of our clients are like that. They're not, you know, that a lot of our clients don't have – 20, 30, 50K saved up and they're ready to go. Some of them have only just started in their job, haven't got any savings together, and it's okay. If anything, it makes it a lot easier. So then you just you just get to know why, what your situation is. It may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And that's a very big thing. It's you want to create that plan as soon as possible when you really want to commit to actually owning your own home. It is quite easy to do so in Australia compared to so many other places. You just sometimes just need a little bit of extra guidance. And that's what it's all about. We do it for all of our clients that do want to reach out and help. But at the same time, there are so many others that do the same thing. Just if there's one thing to take away from this is don't hold back. If Don't think that you know more than what someone that has been doing this for so long. Just reach out. The worst I can say is not right now. You might have to wait a bit longer. So reach out 100% to whoever it is so that you can get that right information up front. Yeah, awesome. Um, Well, I think that's more or less everything that we should be covering about finances at the moment. If we've missed anything, guys, let us know because if there's anything else you want to know, we are all about giving the information. If we don't know, we'll figure it out. Fuck, we'll figure it out and we'll (laughs) let you know pretty quickly. We wing it, so we will figure it out. Um, 100%. And like we said, with the information we said today, we aren't finance brokers. But we've been doing this shit long enough that we can give you those couple little advices and things to consider before going and like trying to commit to buying a block of land or trying to go through it all. Reassess your position. That's what it's all about. And if you've got any questions, reach out to us. Like, fuck, we're on our phone all the time. We're answering DMs all the time, which that's what we're all about. It's trying to get all this information out there for people. Well, you've segued perfectly into my last point is plug, plug, plug. Where can we find Mr. Enthusiast? Facebook, Instagram. Fucking everywhere. So <laughs> we've got TikTok, we've got Instagram, we've got Facebook, and a lot of them just searching up Mr. Enthusiast, New Homes by Nick, and you'll find us. We are on Google. Um, and now we're going to have our own fucking podcast, people. And we'll be on YouTube as well. Yes, yes. We're also trialing out YouTube, so pretty stoked. So you can find us on so many different platforms. And that any of them, just reach out, say hey, um, give us any feedback and ideas. Fuck, please. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We love reviews. 100%. It's that feedback and that review is what it's all about. So then we know what we're working on, what's working, what's not, so we can adapt to it. So if you can, subscribe, leave a review, 
and uh, we'll talk on the next one. And just remember, guys, we're not here. To fuck spiders. (laughs) Remember that one, guys.